0: Hello, my name is Paul Landless, and I'm the co-head of our tech group at Clifford Chance. I'm with our team of associates who have been at the Singapore FinTech Festival. We'll now be covering the second day of the festival, which was, to me, I think the climax. I thought this was the most popular day because it was just packed with so many topics from DLT use cases in the capital markets, AI, crypto, um, a whole range of sessions Brian uh, Brian Yin, you saw a number of sessions. Um, let's talk first about the AI one that you you attended. Uh, Brian, um, over to you in the states what did you what did you notice about your session?
1: Thanks Paul. yeah so um, AI almost seems seemed like one of the themes that was popping up a lot in the conference. Uh, the two sessions I attended actually were, funnily enough, less about possibilities and potential of AI, which is probably something normally you are thinking about, but more about um, limits and regulations. At least on the face value, um, the first session itself was actually entitled "Limits and Realities of AI," and there's probably a joke somewhere there about um, lawyers and regulation. But, um, anyways, uh, that session was—it uh, had key exactly. Executives um, at companies that uh, both were that were focused on creating the AI-specific um, technology solutions, as well as companies that were leaders in incorporating AI into their existing business activities, such as um, Ten a Second, um, BlackRock. And I think actually one of the more interesting things that um, came out of that first session about limits and realities uh, was that we're still, sort of still, as, as much as artificial intelligence has been in the cultural dynamics for some time now, it's still early in the development. Um, uh, I think Dr. Zeller from Tim himself was saying that right now there's a lot of hype around it, but, uh, and lots of people are using it, but the full potential of AI hasn't really been unlocked yet. And so that was one of the key takeaways from that session, which was there's a lot of space right now for innovation and we haven't tapped into it yet, which is kind of exciting because it shows that there's, um, a lot of room right now. uh, As as saturated as it may seem, there's actually still a lot of room here uh, to innovate and develop.
0: Thanks, Brian. No fintech festival is complete without some discussion around central bank digital currencies. Uh, And I want to swing from New York back to Singapore and bring in Alison Tan, who's one of our tech group members on our financial regulatory team. And and Alison, you you attended one of the main sessions um, from one of the central bankers. What did you you listen to who was on your panel?
2: Thanks, Paul. Uh, I I listened to Augustin Carstens, uh, who's the general manager of the Bank for International Settlements. Uh, And he spoke uh, about... Uh, central bank digital currencies, uh, as well as the challenges related to that he sort of set out the the very fundamental questions of how money works uh, and how um, these questions need to be addressed when developing central bank digital currencies and I think one of the key aspects that he pointed out was that um, in order for central bank digital currencies to be used and to 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 um, sort of enter into like a wider retail space, uh, it needs to uh, be trusted by consumers. Uh, they need to be able to trust that the currency is a good store of value, that there is payment finality. Uh, and, I, and he noted that it's quite hard to replicate this uh, in a private environment. And because central banks uh, do traditionally provide liquidity and they are generally quite trusted institutions, uh, central banks are the ones that are well placed uh, to issue digital currencies for for retail uh, for retail users. Um, but what I found actually the most interesting about his segment uh, was that he takes quite a realistic view around uh, central bank digital currencies. I guess uh, as you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of excitement and a lot of hype uh, around central bank digital currencies. Uh, and what was interesting was that he acknowledged that central bank digital currencies may not be suitable for every country, um, which I which I found very striking. Um, so it, because it remains the case that uh, central banks don't typically provide last mile accounts to individuals. And in some countries, uh, central bank digital currencies would require a major overhaul of uh, the payment systems and structures that are already in place.
0: Interesting. Some surprising stuff there. I wouldn't have expected to hear some of those statements. Um I, yeah, I want exactly. to swing, swing to Washington uh, from Singapore and bring in David Adams. Who, David, you took you took part and looked at one of the sessions on digital currencies. W- who was on your panel, and 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 what did you take away?
3: Sure. Uh, thanks, Paul. So the panel I listened to was: Can digital currencies birth the next generation of world class payment systems? And it was a. It's a very dynamic panel, lots of great uh, opinions and views. Uh, uh, Jeremy Allaire, uh, the CEO of Circle, was on it. Uh, Makoto Takimiya is co-founder and CEO of Soramitsu. Soramitsu is a company that essentially put in a digital, I believe a blockchain-based digital payment system in Cambodia that is now used by uh, the, the majority, if not the entirety of the country. Uh, Stuart Levy, who's the CEO of uh, the Libra Association, and Saroja Chatterjee, he's the Chief Product Officer at Coinbase. And um, although the panel ostensibly was was focused on payment systems, a lot of the discussion really focused around the potential that each of the panelists saw in digital currency, uh, not necessarily CBDC, but um, both CBDC and uh, private digital currencies. And I think that. A couple themes emerged pretty quickly. Uh, First, I think that um, all the panelists generally think that there's there needs to be a kind of a public-private understanding and almost a partnership, where innovators are thinking about the regulations that their products um, that their products involve and designing their products in order to work with um, existing uh, some you know many of the existing regulations. But on the other hand, regulators need to be open and need to also be innovative and understanding of the technology and using it in ways that facilitate what the regulators want without necessarily, and the information that they want, without necessarily cramming um, cramming these new innovative digital, digital assets into existing regulatory uh, regimes. I think one of the most interesting points was made by uh, Jeremy Allaire, who's the CEO of Circle. And the point that he made was that the iPhone, when it came, the iPhone in 2008, when it came out with 3G and GPS, uh, many people thought that was a big breakthrough because people could now get turn-by-turn directions uh, in their apps. But there were innovators at Uber, for example, who saw saw the opportunity to create an entirely new market and dynamic, um, and, and, and to create a dynamic shift in the way that people use transportation. Uh, and created right. an, an entirely new market uh, for people to use, and in uh, you know the, the the market of share, you know ride-sharing services, and now we have all types of food delivery, et cetera, that people have gotten very used to um, in yeah. the current environment. And so that that's where he he sees that same potential in DeFi with some of what's going on there. People using open source uh, software to build um, infra to build uh, programs that people can not only get loans from, but can also do trading, et cetera, and everyone kind of building on what the programmers before them have done. So I think across the board, there's just a lot of excitement about the space and about its potential in the next few years.
0: Jesse, I want to bring you in. I'm just going to move um, to to you. Uh, So I'm going to swing from Washington down to New York. And and Jesse, I just want to get your views on the session with Jane Fraser, who's, who's the new Chief Executive Officer for Citigroup. Uh, she was talking about what to expect next year. Anything there on DeFi or crypto assets? What did she bring out in her session?
4: This was a really interesting one, um, and it was you know really fascinating to me to, to to you know hear the perspective of someone that's in such a you know, eminent kind of uh, position in, in you know discussing kind of how 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 the world banking world looks to her and and you know. How, how how the banking law how the banking world kind of looks from 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 where she's sitting and it's you know jane made the point that um really you know banks are 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 trying to figure out how to adapt the the i guess the regulated architecture and financial services infrastructure to technology that is born digital um and uh, you know she didn't cite cryptocurrency specifically but i mean that's you know we can that's clearly an area where you know born it's it's been born digital and you know in, in in her view in terms of you know online ecosystems you the question is how does a bank get scaled um, and retain relevance in in these new you know in the new platform economy um, and, and 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 she noted that the financial services industry is is, is moving towards the embedded finance model um, which I take to mean you know consumers are accessing financial services through other activities such as you know where banking services are embedded in an online app that they use to hail a taxi or a restaurant order you know, a restaurant meal from um, and so you know in 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 these areas jane noted that um banks banks are less likely to, to to build the business themselves and uh instead in 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 many cases they're 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 looking to acquire
0: let me bring in andrew Foo in singapore just to go on to payments and there was a session looking at inclusion and payments in a, in a low touch economy i think that the, the title was for the panel Andrew, who was on your panel, and what were the main themes?
5: Hi, Paul. Yes, this was a great panel. Very uh, diverse group of panelists. Uh, one was Anthony Thomas, the chairman of Momo from Vietnam. Oh yeah. But then yeah. there was Kamal. Kamal yes, and uh, he was joined by Kamal Kadir, uh, CEO of Bcash from Bangladesh, and then we had Lucy Liu, not the actress, but uh, oh. uh, co-founder of Airwallex uh, from Australia. And uh, there was a bonus. We were also joined by Ling Hai, uh, who's the co-president
0: of MasterCard Asia. Great, and, and what did they say? What are the main sort of messages that they had about you know, flying the flag as, as FinTech businesses?
5: Sure, I think there were two key takeaways. Uh, one was you could see how big some of these local markets are and how much scope for growth um, there is. So for example, bcash uh kamal spoke about bangladesh having a population half the size of the us uh, and how even though bcash has been around for more than 10 years you know installing 250,000 cash conversion points around the country was a big task and has been a huge achievement for them Uh, i think the other theme that came out was the importance of being attuned to the needs of the customer Uh, so Again, Bcash, they spoke about how, because of the state of uh, Bangladesh, a previously very unbanked population, uh, there was a focus on accounts to start with, getting people to open accounts, um, and then because Bangladesh has many uh, people working abroad, then remittance was the next layer they sought to build, um, and then many other layers, such as utilities, et cetera.
0: I want to now move to Hong Kong and bring in Iris Mock to talk about cyber. Because during the week we heard a lot about trust, uh, a lot about sustainability, but also a lot about security and this this sense of uh, data and um, and customer data being protected and customers being able to trust um these businesses uh, iris you're very active in this space uh, it's 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 all encompassing uh every day what what's been the main focus for you around the cyber work you've been doing and and um in advising your clients hi paul
6: um so yes uh, i think in in hong kong and also um in in China, where we are very closely uh, pro- proximate to, um, because of the increase in cyber security, uh, cyber activities, there's a lot more interest to look at data protection and uh, to come up a uh, new IT strategy. So um, it is because of that, um, uh, the section I attended is relevant uh, in this sense. So uh, this is the evolving need and major shifts in cybersecurity. Uh, by Nikes Arora, who's the chairman and chief executive officer of Palo Alto Networks. So um, he mentioned that um, because of this new trend, there's a need to prioritize business to protect your data. And then of uh, particular interest is that um, with breaches around the world and, of course, with increased regulations in Hong Kong and Asia, so there's more anxiety in this direction uh, to ensure compliance. So it's very pertinent for them and also for uh, our clients in general to improve control and governance to allow them to work uh, more effectively and efficiently.
0: And and, and Iris, you attended a session, which I I missed. I really wanted to be on this one, looking at China's fintech policy, its own um, approach and challenges handling big tech. And you had the chairman of the CBIRC, yes. is that right on your session
6: yeah that's right yeah that's that's a very very interesting one a very uh, and he got a very insightful angle into the challenges that um fintech and back in china are facing so of course this is of huge interest to us because of how close uh, we are to china um he talked about um how fintech uh, is of huge importance because uh, it offers support for COVID. And during this difficult time, um, fintech provides um, online services and provides convenience to financial products, so make sure that financial services are still available during during this period.
0: And, and, And Cedar, I mean, obviously, China's been breathtaking in terms of the speed Around digital payments, I think the numbers are astounding. I think yeah, you know, something like 800, 900 million people now making payments digitally, um, you know, using all types of uh, payments devices, um, particularly uh, AliPay and Financials um, um, system, or and and certainly what we're seeing on, on with Tencent. Um, what what lessons? Did you take away from the session here with with Gao Shixing?
7: Yeah, I think one of the things that he brought up that was quite interesting on the mobile payment front was uh, just the the fact that it's so uh, uh, ubiquitous in China that I think uh, ubiquitous in China that I think when it comes to uh, the COVID situation itself, I think it may have been a moderating factor. But obviously after the the initial hump, I think that was something which uh, could have very well moderated the spread of it, so I think that was a, the interesting sort of insight. And Siddy, you attended another session looking
0: at inclusion, another one of the big highlights of the week with Bill Gates as part of the leadership series, uh, looking at sustainability, uh, ESG, and converging with tech, which was a major theme during the week. What did you what did you take from that session with Bill Gates?
7: That was always going to be a, an interesting session just to see um, how he saw fintech and what role it could play, uh, especially in the context of his organization. I think the the interesting aspect was was about how absolutely essential he saw fintech um, as part of the, the tools that was required to achieve uh, many of the developmental goals. I think the, the obvious example that he brought up was, was payments and digital payments. Uh, how the ability to to make and receive payments over distances and instantaneously means that uh, people in developing countries can work their way uh, easier out of poverty uh, also in terms of increasing social mobility
0: thanks Ida and fadea just moving from Singapore to London Fidea, you, you you took part and attended the session on green finance uh, again part of the leaders series who, who was on your session and and what were the main takeaways for you
8: Um, he was uh, Ravi Min, the managing director of the monetary authority of singapore um it was a really interesting session. i have to say i i thoroughly enjoyed it and um, one of the most important takeaway i would say from that session was uh, the impact of the three crises that well, the world has experiencing in 2020 and um, the climate change Obviously, pandemic and uh, the economic um, uh, recession. Um, so the impact. The first thing he mentioned was about the inequality these crises having create have created. Sorry, in our societies. So uh, an example of this: digitally, sorry, digitally enabled people have been uh, have been quite uh, able, I would say, to exercise their lives uh, almost normally. They've been able to borrow, lend, work online, make online shopping. And if we compare this with people who don't have access to the digital world, they've been quite badly affected. And at the same time, we've seen the restrictions of movement has affected smaller organizations more than larger ones. But at the same time, and as, as always, there is a, a positive side to any crisis. Um, we've seen uh, 2020 to be the year for uh, uh, pledges for uh, working on climate changes. So the number of uh, governments and business organizations that have pledged to reduce their uh, emission to zero has doubled basically, which is, which is a huge achievement, I would say, in less than a year. It is quite a tangible, I would say, outcome of uh, 2020.
0: Okay, well, thank you very much, for Deya. That was the end of our second podcast. And following up on our next session, we'll be covering the final days of the Singapore FinTech Festival. Thank you. I'm Paul Landless, and you've been listening to the Clever Chance Talking Tech team uh, at the Singapore FinTech Festival. If you want to hear this podcast, or uh, any of our other podcasts, please just go to our Clifford Chance Talking Tech page. This podcast is not legal advice, so please reach out to us uh, for uh, specific advice on any particular question and we'd be happy to help. Thanks.